thanks for allowing me to take this time with you. Um, every year on St. Peter's Last Sunday, we fan out our life team members across the adult Sunday school classrooms. And we speak, and this class has the great misfortune of getting to hear me twice in a row, right? So I apologize. And when I screw it up, not if, it's Chris's fault. So <laughs> Guys, in years past, we've stood, I've stood here, we've stood here and asked questions. We've made statements. We've provided a, a variety of different topics. Questions. When does life begin? Answers those questions. Just like any other mammal's life, a human's life begins at conception. And it is a whole, distinct, living human being from that point forward. That's not my theology. That's science. Statements. This year, as in every other year for the last 20 plus, over 1 million whole, distinct, living human beings will be aborted in this country. This year, 3,000 of them will be aborted right down the street most of them at Planned Parenthood Memphis. We've talked through a number of topics to try and educate our congregation. We've talked about the Imago Day. We've talked about human development in the womb. We've talked about the greater narrative of what Scripture has to say on the topic of life. And each time, each year, we basically boil it down to what Dr. R.C. Sproul Sr., Jimmy's mentor and friend, has said, and I'm paraphrasing here, after four years of ministry, if I know one thing, I know that God hates abortion. So we do too. At least I do. But how do we act? How, what does the church do about that? Right? And so today we're going to move a little bit away from the educational aspect of it to how does the church respond to the challenge. And I want you to know that the church corporately does respond to that challenge. The church corporately is supporting places like Bethany. I'm <coughs> thankful that they support places like Life Choices. Bethany is an adoption agency. Life Choices is an adoption agency plus a pregnancy medical clinic. And so the church corporately is fighting. The church corporately is supporting its life MIT. And the life MIT is doing things like standing in front of Planned Parenthood in a quiet, peaceful, prayerful manner, 10 to 15 days a year, in a silent protest against abortion. And members of this class, including your leader and his lovely bride, have joined us in that effort. But again today, what we want to talk about is how we react to that, what we do, and not just corporately, but what we can do individually. Definitely. And today the topic is adoption. So, come out and take a deep breath, let it out. <laughs> We're not talking about abortion today. Okay, it's a heavy topic, it needs to be addressed. We've done that several times. Today is a reaction to that. So, the heart of today is to get Ann and Gavin Turner and my bride up here in front of you to tell you their life stories. It's not about the ordo salutis and the role of adoption in it. Come on Wednesday nights, you've heard Jimmy talk about that, I've heard Jonathan talk about that, I'm sure Chris has touched on it tangentially in this class, if not directly. They are far better speakers than I am, as you've already deduced. So I'm not going to try to regurgitate the things that they've said. I want you to hear from the people who have been there and done that. Okay? We want to educate you, we want to illuminate some things, and I'll be really honest, especially in a class like this, we want to encourage. <laughs> so, that's the goal, that's where we're trying to go, that's what we're doing today. But, it is a Sunday school class, and if it's a class, we need to go to our text. So, I'm going to touch on two points, and then I'll shut up and let the adoptees and the adoptive family talk. If you will, turn with me to Ephesians 1.5. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. I'm going to begin at the end of verse 4. In love, He predestined us to be adopted as His sons through Jesus Christ, 
in accordance with his pleasure and will. He adopted us as his sons through Jesus Christ. And if you'll flip one page, or maybe two, depending on your text, to uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. <coughs> Guys, I, I was in charge of putting who was going to go where. And the logical solution seemed to be to put the Rangers and or the Contreras up here, right? But you've heard their stories, right? Most of you know those people. In fact, I'm extremely grateful that in more than one case, you have helped those people and those families do what they're doing. You've come alongside them. So today I'm trying to give you a little bit of a different slant. And we're going to do that momentarily. But consider the Contreras and the Grangers for a moment. We have the United States and China emerging as the two world superpowers on the dramatic, complete, utter ends of the political bell curve. Foreigners in every sense of the word. Not in Contreras' house. Not with Brandon and Bess. Die. Right? Look at our U.S. racial tension, the divide that continues to get worse as we see our two cultures being increasingly alienated. Not in the Granger household. Not in the Braker household. Now again, Tricia and Emily. So what we see here is an earthly reflection of adoption. Where foreigners and aliens are being welcomed in and becoming one family. You're, you're going to see that today in living color right in front of you. And what a beautiful image that is of our Heavenly Father's adoption of us. Where each and every one of us were strangers, foreigners, aliens, and now we're members of this household. So I want you to understand, adoption is gospel. Now turn with me to James 1.27. I'm only going to read the first part. James chapter 1, verse 27. And the next, the, these last two scripture verses are not going to be foreign to you at all. James 1.27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress. Absolutely nothing to add to that. Matthew chapter 28, last one. I'm going to get to this one and start reading, because most of you can quote this to me. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. Surely, we can see that going, whether that's right next door, over the next state, or halfway around the world of China or Russia, and bringing those children back to our families, where we can teach them, and baptize them, and disciple them, Surely we can see the image of heavenly adoption in our earthly mission. Surely we can see that this is a beautiful carrying out of God's mandate through the Great Commission. So adoption is gospel, and adoption is mission. Thankfully for you, I'm done. So, we're going to let the smart people come up for a minute. Actually, about the next uh, 23. And we're going to ask them some questions. Okay, I'm going to give them both a couple of minutes to talk through their stories, and then I'm going to ask them some questions. Well, what I really want you to do, if there's something that you don't understand or a question that you didn't get, or maybe you want some more information or to use my redneckism, something stuck in your crawl about adoption, raise your hand. 
Ask them some questions. Ask me some questions. This is all about educating you and letting you see what this actually looks like in the real world. So, uh, and I have one question from the rear of the room already. Uh, You've had you your chance go, to speak. You can go to 28. You don't even have to go to 23. So okay. Don't, don't cut yourself. <laughs> got it. You know, give me a high sign with about two minutes. Okay. If, in case that. Uh, right. So, Andy got a turn. And my bride, Lee Bynum. I'll tell you what, why don't you guys, if y'all can handle the stools? That's fine. Absolutely. We'll give the old guy. I guess he thinks I can't handle a stool. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought you were not going to fall over. Can you turn off? All right, so um, again, trying to give you guys a variety of perspectives. I mean, you've kind of walked through a couple of adoptions of infants and toddlers. Um, Anne's going to tell you her story. She was adopted. Okay, so I want you to hear from them what that looks like. Uh, 22 years old now? Yeah, uh, right. Right. <laughs> right. So, what that looked like is she was going through, and then I've struggled with the terminology I was going to use with my bride and I. Let's just say maybe a slightly more mature. Uh, perspective now having not infants and toddlers but one in college and one is a sophomore in high school so somebody who's kind of what who thinks she's in college <laughs> yeah going on 40 anyway um, so I wanted you to get those additional perspectives so without further ado um, I'm going to allow Anna to speak Gavin's up here just I think to be a pretty face and he's uh, failing miserably at that that's right uh, but for his support it's called okay. we'll and go ahead here, so. okay well I appreciate your listening to me today I have I'll, my disclaimer is I've never done this before. I have never gotten up in front of a group and talked about this, so um, I hope I do okay. Um, but when I got the email um, from the, the GOL email that said, hey, has anybody out there been adopted or adopted children? I sent back that you know, email. Sure, I, I was adopted. Um, but as I began to talk to Gary and, um, and, and some of the members of his team, I really got more and more comfortable with, I think this is something I'm supposed to do. I, I'm happy to share, and, and I hope in some way it encourages um, you to maybe um, understand how God has worked in my life and how I, I believe adoption is a picture of the gospel and how it has the Lord's used it in my life. Um, I was adopted, just I'm going to give you a brief background on me. I was adopted when I was eight weeks old, um, and my parents did not think they could have their own biological children, so they first adopted my older brother David three years before me. So they tried for about five years, adopted David, and then three years later they wanted to adopt another child, so they adopted me. Um, and then, ironically, a couple of years later, um, they actually got pregnant with my younger brother, Jim. So um, that's, um, that's our story with that. Um, it was a closed adoption, meaning I did not know. My parents never met my biological parents. Um, I never met my biological parents. Um, and that was our normal. That was not something I ever felt um, strange about. Um, of course, I had a few questions growing up. It's normal, but it wasn't something that was a, a big issue. Um, I think the main thing, one of the main things I wanted to talk about this morning is just that when you look at what God has done, I think my parents always gave me the lens, or I'll just say it the glasses of looking through the scripture and, and talking to me from the beginning 
about God's plan and saying to me, um, and God knew from the beginning of time that you were ours. He knew from the foundation of the world who our family would be, that you would be part of our family, that you were loved, that you were ours. And so you just came, our family came together in a different way than our neighbors next door, but we are no less a family. And so I think with that perspective and with that knowledge, that was just something we, that I grew up on. And so um, they talked from the beginning that I was adopted, but they also talked, coupled with that, was always God's sovereignty and God's plan. Um, so um, I guess that's one of the main things I just wanted to say is that God puts together a family. That's how I was raised. God is in the mission of putting together earthly families, but the bigger picture is God is always redeeming. He's always has a plan. There's never a plan B, and that God's plan marches on through history, and that my story is one of the many stories, and so is yours. Mine isn't that unique because I was adopted. I mean, it is unique because it's uncommon today, but God is working in my life, has worked in my life, just like he's working in yours. Yeah, you should have done the intro. <laughs> okay, now you'll hear the, uh, the Bynum story. Lee's going to tell a, a couple-minute summary on that, and I'll pop in if she wants me to. Yes, please. <laughs> I'm sure I'll leave out. And he told me yesterday, you've got about a minute. <laughs> it takes me a minute to get one word out. So. Anyway, right, it's already up. Um, anyway, um, I guess Gary and I had been married a couple of years when we decided we wanted to start, you know, our family. And um, I ended up having, just right off the bat, four miscarriages. And uh, went to the doctor. Doctor, they never could find out what was going on. So uh, we were living in Georgia, right outside of Macon, and there was a Christian agency there. And uh, we had some friends that went to our church who had adopted twins, and so they kind of helped us get the ball rolling on adoption. And um, so I guess, well, it didn't take long, a few months, and uh, we were told about a baby, and uh, the birth mom was still pregnant. Um, we helped her get through that, and she changed her mind. Thank goodness the baby had never been placed with us, so we there was there was no bonding there. Um, so, um, oh gosh, maybe two or three months after that, the agency called us back and said, "We've got a baby for you." And we were just getting ready to move to New Jersey, and uh, so we were so excited. We were like, "Oh, this is great! We're going to get our baby. We're going to move to New Jersey, and we'll start our lives." Anyway, uh, they said, but we'd like to come and see you before you leave. And uh, we said, all right. So they came over and talked to us and told us that this baby had been born um, and that his birth mom was a cocaine addict and that she uh, had conceived and had no idea who the biological father was and um, that he had medical issues. And I remember filling out the adoption papers and, and go in. There were so many questions about would you adopt a baby with uh, uh, mental issues or physical issues or, and I just remember crying and going, you know, I want that perfect baby. I want that little 
perfect baby. And so our agency said, then you put it down. And so I put it down, and God had a whole other plan for us because this baby was born without an esophagus. And, uh, and it had nothing to do with his birth mom's cocaine use. Um, it was just a birth defect. And we went in, and uh, with God's help, pushed me through that door of that NICU, and I laid eyes on him and went, he's my baby. And I thought, you know what? If I had given birth to this baby, would I have ever turned my back on him? Absolutely not. This baby was mine. So um, he stayed in the hospital. Well, we transferred, he was transferred to New Jersey, and he had a, a surgery where they took a piece of his colon and put it in the place of his esophagus. And he's a 21-year-old, all-male. Army infantry. Yes, and he's a sophomore in college and, and Army infantry and just a picture of health. Um, that was all God's doing. And um, so then I had, like, another miscarriage. We had a stillbirth, had an ectopic pregnancy, and it was at that time Gary said, I can't watch you go through now, that's this not anymore. true. Two, uh-huh. two before that, I said, I can't go through that anymore. Oh. But you made me. <laughs> <laughs> so we tried two more times. But after the ectopic, as, as she was literally beating her, her head into the window on the way, I thought we had a flat tire because I heard this thump, thump, thump. It was beating her head into the window because the pain in her abdomen was so bad she was trying to divert some of it into her head. And, yes, that's when I said, I'm done. Yeah. yeah. No more. So uh, we were getting ready to come back to Mississippi. He was going to be an instructor at Columbus Air Force Base, and the agency in Georgia had been with, had become good friends with them and our caseworker. And anyway, they called and said, if y'all want to adopt again, we'll let you. We usually don't do out-of-state adoptions, but because y'all took Mitch in the shape he was in, we'll let you go through adoption again with us. So, oh gosh, we weren't even finished filling out the paperwork, updating our paperwork when they called us and they said, you've already been picked. And they said, um, uh, birth mom um, is eight months pregnant and she knows what it is. Do you want? And they knew that the baby that we had had stillborn was a little girl. And so, and I said, I don't know. Do I want to know? And she said, oh, you want to know. And so she read me a letter that the birth mom had written. And, and there was a sentence in there. She said, I just know that you will uh, be the perfect parents for my precious little girl. And so I called Gary at work, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. So a month later, we get the call, and so we're headed to Macon, Georgia, to pick up our baby. Now, Mitch was 12 weeks old when we got him, but he was in the hospital. And Maddie was three hours old when we got to see her. And uh, for any of you who are interested in adoption and you want to adopt anymore, I nursed her. Ask me later how that happened, <laughs> but it worked. And uh, I, so I got to fill everything uh, with her. And she is now 16 years old and a uh, spunky little redhead who is, is hard-headed. And, and nobody knows where she got that from. Um. <laughs> her birth mother. <laughs> and we did meet uh, her birth mother, but that was about it. Mm-hmm. Mitch's adoption was all closed. Um, but... W- Seeing God through all this, we know we went through everything we went through to get our two children, our two babies. And we see that. It took a long time to see that. A long time. You guys probably have multiple instances in your own life when 
God's handiwork and hindsight is 2020. <laughs> Foresight, not so much. <laughs> and, uh, and you guys, well, we're all dealing with that on some level. But we have the benefit of seeing that crystal clear. Um, anyway, that's uh, actually half of my interview questions have been asked or answered already uh, in those stories, which is a beautiful thing. That's kind of what I was hoping to happen. But um, we've, we've still got several minutes. And so, Anne, yeah. I'm going to start with you. Um, you're a child. Um, you've known, uh, like our children knew, probably read books when you were six days old right. about being adopted. Was there a time growing up, you, you touched on this, when you mm-hmm. said, okay, I'm unique in this aspect, yeah. that, that 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 meant something, that, that, that there was a difference, that you, you've got a biological sibling, mm-hmm. that you saw any differences? How, how did that play out as you were growing up, or did it? It really wasn't that big of a deal, to be honest. I mean, it was normal for our little family. It wasn't something we talked about a lot. And the main reason we didn't talk about it a lot is because it's so uncommon, I think, ever since things changed, you know, in 1973. And now, I read a stat- I don't know if the statistic is right, but like 23, you know, it's like a 23 to 1 ratio on, you know, adoptive versus, I mean, Abortion? Yeah. yeah. I don't know what it is. It's actually far worse than it's that. Far yeah, worse than it's far worse than that. Bad. Okay. Yes. Well, anyway, what I'm trying to say is adoption is not that common anymore. And so I, it's not something people, people understand. They think, I felt like growing up, people sort of looked at you a little different. Once you talked about, oh, I'm adopted, a lot of people sort of had this look on their face like they think you're sort of different. They think you're, they think you're, you probably are in some kind of counseling, that you have some kind of, you know, that you probably are going to have long-term issues. They think that you're probably on a, maybe like a TV show, want to go find those biological parents, that you're going to have identity issues and all of that. And the reality is I didn't, and our family didn't. But I kind of learned early on to be guarded about who I talked to about it. Um, when I was in high school, I don't, I don't think I told you this story, but when I was in high school... I went to Briarcrest. Um, my teacher was Sharon Watson, who y'all, I'm sure y'all know from Grace. She did a series about um, the sanctity of your life. It's a Christian school. She talked about, um, she used the Bible verse, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And she showed pictures and she educated us on what abortion is, what life is. I mean, we learned all about it. She got to the end of the series and she said, I want to know, is anybody in this room adopted? Mm. <laughs> and I was like, uh, of course I'm the only one, you know, of course. I raised my hand, and this girl in front of me in the, that was diagonal for me, who was kind of known to be tacky and, and just rude, you know, but she turned around to me and she said, oh, Ann, does that mean that David is not your real brother? So I learned that day to be careful who I talk to, okay? I'm not saying, I mean, it didn't really, it hurt my feelings as a vulnerable high school student, but it didn't shake my identity. I didn't need to go see a counselor or anything like that because I knew she didn't get it. But a lot of people don't really get it. And so if I get across one thing to you today, you may not be the person who's going to adopt a baby, but maybe you have a friend who's thinking about it. 
I want to say to you, it was very normal. It was loving. It was wonderful. We had a, I had a wonderful upbringing and wonderful godly parents. But a lot of people don't get it. So You know, Russell Moore, his book, Adopted for Life, uh, he's obviously adopted, well, not obviously, he's adopted uh, two boys from Russia, and he tells stories, uh, even on the trip home, about, well, are they really brothers? Yeah, they're really brothers. They're my children. Yes, they're brothers. No, 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 no. No, you know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean, and I'm telling you, they're really, they're really brothers. And uh, so he talks about not allowing others' ignorance to impact that. So that's pretty strong, even as a teenager, that you're able to, in, in that situation, to go, yeah, that's your problem. It's, it's, it's not mine. Um, Sweetheart, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to direct you to the list. The question is, what's, uh, t- talk about one of your lowest moments. I mean, I, I don't want to be Debbie Downer. I do want to be a realist. Okay, and I want everybody to understand some of the challenges, um, or one of the challenges that we went through, and I'm going to kind of lead you with this because I, I know exactly where, where I'm going. Um, <laughs> and, and nobody else does. Um, including you, no. uh, you, You'll know immediately. Talk about the day that the, uh, the adoption paperwork came in the mail, the, the, the package. T- t- tell, them, tell them that story. When um, we had decided we were going to adopt and we got the first package in the mail. Um, yeah, well, we've got it, and our and it was in this manila envelope, and I pulled it out, and I thought half of it was his and half of it was mine. No, he had his own stack, and I had my own stack. When I say stack, it was like that thick. Just me that I had to fill out. He had to fill out the same thing. And I started filling it out, got maybe three pages in, and just started crying. I said, I can't do this. It's just too long. I can't do it. And Gary's over there just, you know, filling his out and I'm crying and I can't do it. And so did we call, did I call the agency and talk to the director and I told her, I said, you know, the the paperwork's too long. I can't fill all this out. And she said, if you will fill it out every page, she said, you will get a baby. She said, I'm telling you, you have got to go through it but you'll get a baby. I, I wanted you to hear her say that. How many times in your life does that happen? I'm supposed to do this. I know I'm supposed to do this. I know I'm supposed to be a pastor. And I've got this gargantuan obstacle called seminary in front of me. It is massive. And i got a family. And i got responsibilities at church. And i got to get through that. Right? Heck, I want to be a pilot. You're really going to go to Colorado Springs and endure that for four years. Yes. Yes, you are. That's what you want to do. That's what you do, right? Adoption's no different. Guys, I want to open your eyes. This is not a pick up the phone and call them, and they say, okay, cool, we'll be at your house tomorrow with a baby. It doesn't work that way, and you know that. If you've heard from the Contreras of the Grangers, what I do want you to hear is exactly, and I was hoping you would use that phrase that, that she used. If you will follow the path that God has laid out for you, you're going to glean the reward that God has in store for you. Okay, adoption's no different. Okay, that applies to about ninety thousand different areas of all of our lives, and the adoption story is, is no different. We're uh, we got a few minutes left, and so one of the big questions, and the whole reason that um, Gavin's ugly mug is up here beside mine, <laughs> um, talk to me uh, a little bit about how your adoption has impacted your parenting. Um, it, it, Her adoption, it, yeah. Anne's adoption has has the reality of that. 
her history, her experience, how that has impacted or, well, I'll let you go with that. That's my question. You know, um, and maybe just to back up just a little bit to her first original question is, um, and it's extremely, I guess we've been, We've been married 14 and a half years now, right? Okay. Um, Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) Exactly. Um, You know, and then I've dated a year or two before that. So I've known, you know, known her parents and and family for 16, 17 years. And and when we met, you know, knew knew that she was adopted, knew knew the backstory because I'd I'd known her her younger brother, Jim. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it was evident that her parents and the whole family, they... You know, they they parented through a gospel. They parented through the gospel, and you could tell through listening to stories from growing up. And difference. there was no difference in how they really raised them. And, and um, you know, she would tell you. I mean, obviously, that she you, know, you always they always were open and honest with you. That you know, from when you could understand that you were adopted and what that is. And I think they presented from you know the conversations we've had. You know, they presented it in the gospel okay. format. You know, early on, and, and so in that. You know, at that standpoint, um, you know, it was obvious they parented every each child. Really, as you find out with, when you have children, whether adopted or not adopted, you have to parent each child a little differently anyway. Um, and, uh, you know, but they, you know, there was no real difference. It wasn't like they got a little bit of a, a little more of a grace, you know, from anything. And so how, how that was coming to now with us, I think, you know, look, you know, we truly realize, you know, each child, each of our kids has to be, you know, we parent different, you know, different ways. And, and I think, um, you know, in the day, it's just parenting through the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, you know, I, there's not a, we, we, and you've been open, our, our kids know, you know, that she, you know, their mom was adopted and, you know, have an understanding of that. Um, but, I, you know, I don't, it doesn't, hasn't really changed on a grand scale of anything. I think there's certainly some perspectives um, you know that you can reflect upon but hmm. I agree I agree I mean I, I really think my adoption story is just one more way to communicate the gospel to our kids I mean it's just one way one more way to tell God's story in my life and in our lives and how you know how good God is I mean just um, you know, Jimmy did that series um, last year um, and talked about our adoption into his into God's family, and it meant so. It meant, um, you know, and, and this may be another question you're going to ask, but you know, I soaked that in in a way that um, maybe somebody who's not adopted might not be able to, but just how good God is, and. Um, I think I think perhaps that my parents talking about my adoption from the beginning coupled with the gospel, coupled with this has always been God's plan, um, that God puts a family together, I think that was instrumental in my faith um, because I had to have that. I had to have that that piece, um, and it's something that's translated for sure into into raising our own kids. So. Well, guys, about time to wrap it up. Um, what you've heard today are some 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 happy stories, right? At the end of the day, a lot of happy stories. 
um, you've heard some challenges. Um, you've heard some joys, you've heard some pains, mountaintops, valleys. And guess what? They're the same stories you have, um, those of you with biological children. Right? What, I, what I wanted to illustrate to you today is that really, at the end of the day, what most people see is this huge, massive difference really isn't. <laughs> They're just part of your family. Uh, just like all of the differences that each and every one of us have basically begin to fade away as part of God's household. So um, I want you to know that not all adoption stories end happily. Okay, You've got uh, some friends and some neighbors and some brothers and sisters here in this family of, of, of God that have experienced enormous challenges in that. So we wanted to educate you today. We wanted to eliminate some things today. And to be perfectly honest, we want to motivate people, you know? And, and, and maybe we've done some of that today. <laughs> maybe some of you are going, whoa! <laughs> I don't know if I'm, if I'm up for that or not. But if you have questions about it, if you've ever considered it, if you'd like to consider it, come talk to us. We want to encourage you to enter this mission field of adoption, and we want you to do so with your eyes wide open. So that was kind of what today was all about. I hope we did some of that. So would you like me to close this, brother? Sure. Um were you going to say anything about the uh, church's support, or is that say for the worship um, service? In about 30 minutes, there's going to be a video played in the worship service. There's going to be one more indication of how your church wants to support um, those of you that want to walk this path of adoption. And a couple of uh, your members of this class have in encouraged me to do that. Um, and encourage the church to do that. And after several months of effort, it's going to come to fruition. But I'm going to save that for the video. So you got to go to church? <laughs> <laughs> if you're not going to church, come talk to me. I'll whisper it in your ear. Yeah, Gary, if you would close us in prayer. Sure. God, let's pray. Father, we thank you. Um, Lord, first, we, we thank you for the rest that, that this church gives us. We thank you for being able to, to leave a world that seemingly grows further from you every day and enter a building, enter a house, enter a family where we can worship, we can fellowship, and we can enjoy one another's company. Father, we can fall on our knees and we can beg forgiveness and we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are welcomed in your household. Father, I pray specifically today throughout the adult classes that the members of our congregation can see the story that Anne and Gavin have, the story that Lee shared. And Father, that they can understand that Earthly adoption is a beautiful illustration of your heavenly adoption of us. And Father, vice versa, that we can begin to understand maybe a little better through these stories just how alien and foreign we were and just how loved we are. Father, forgive us. Protect us. Keep us. Help us to enjoy our time in the worship service and the sanctuary. Father, watch over us through this week. Father, we ask each of these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, God. How about a hand for the Bibles and the prayer? Wait. I mean, I'm going to talk to you. Later. I'm serious.